0: And it all comes down to this. Two on, two out. Bottom of the ninth, the Farmers lead by one. Full count. Here comes the play at the plate, and it's the
1: Aggie pit!
0: Welcome everybody to another episode of the Ag You Pit. And today we're going to have a little conversation about land rental agreements and leasing. And I've got Mike Downey with NextGen Ag Advocates. And Mike, I really like that last word, the advocates part of it. Um, sometimes we see some issues with lease agreements and some challenges and things there. So I really like uh, some of the things you're doing. So Mike, go ahead and Introduce yourself and uh, tell us a little bit of, about you the company and what you guys were up to Yeah, appreciate
1: being on uh, appreciate, uh, Chris and a little background about myself. I Actually grew up on a family farm down in west-central, Illinois And I can still remember very vividly back in 2000 when, when I was graduating college from the University of Illinois and uh, price of corn at the time was about a dollar 80 and price price of beans of about five forty, and uh, so the opportunity to go back to my family farm that was already supporting a couple families was wasn't real strong. So my first job actually took me out to eastern Iowa where I'm still today. Uh, my first job was with a farm management company where I worked at for a period of years. But then uh, oh, it was, it was probably eleven twelve years ago when I first met uh, a gentleman by the name of Steve Bohr. Who is the owner of a company called Farm Financial Strategies, which which works with uh, families, farm families, and landowners on their estate planning and farm transition? He was actually meeting and working with my folks at the time, and I took a real interest in that area. And kind of fast forward to today, um, he, myself, and actually retired farmer from over by the Quad Cities area, Glenn Moeller, is his name, teamed up to found uh, Fine. Uh, Next Gen Ag Advocates, which the premise was helping match up retiring farmers that don't have a successor to uh, young producers to kind of carry on their operation. And uh, But we had to figure out how do we, we got to have more than a matching program. How do we get compensated and have a, you know, a feasible company and that's kind of where our leasing program started to be a third party, whether that's a match that we're making or even uh, just other situations where they just want help from a third party. Don't necessarily need the traditional farm manager hat, but just need a third party to uh, facilitate that discussion. So that's kind of how it's all developed, and uh,
0: we've been doing that for a couple years now. Yeah, one of the things I really like about what you guys are doing and, and um, you know, obviously we work with with clients all over the US and Canada as well on on things from transition to analyzing cost production and those kind of things but one of the things i really like about what you guys specialize in is on that leasing program thing you brought up you know we see a lot of times some issues with uh land rental agreements between the the farmer and the landowner and occasionally we see where situations where um, land management companies uh, maybe are not always advocates for both sides. Maybe maybe there's uh, uh, sometimes even create a bit of a divide. And the thing I really like about what you guys are up to is you actually work with the farmer and the landowner uh, together and as a third party and really help them create a synergistic relationship as opposed to an adversarial one. Talk a little bit about what that looks like.
1: Yeah, I would even comment back from my farm management days, as I mentioned earlier, you know, even even if I was trying to be very producer friendly in that discussion, at the end of the day, you're always viewed as being over on the other side representing the landowner. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's one thing that Glenn, Steve and I really just didn't want to build another farm management company. We didn't want to compete with them, but wanted to kind of have a different approach that, hey, it's not about who we're representing, it's we're representing everybody, the relationship, and to facilitate a long-term partnership, which is going to benefit everybody in the, in the long run, and uh, especially the farmland, as you know, you know, the stewardship, care of the land, and if we can set up a arrangement that is viewed more favorably from the tenant to begin with, it really... And our experience changes the whole feel of that relationship. And, uh, you know, we're not so much worried about the annual contentious rent conversations now. We're not worried if we're doing some stewardship practices, what they cost. Now it's more about why we're doing them, more about the big picture.
0: Mm-hmm. I like the idea, too, of having uh, the farmer and the landowner considered to be on the same team as opposed to that adversarial um, you know one has to be on one side and one has to be on the other to me just is not a long-term solution no matter who you work with
1: yeah and then you throw in as you uh talk a lot on your podcast the volatility and weather grain markets government programs and now all of the global uncertainty politically and you know, it's sometimes hard when we're sitting down at one given time in the year to try to make decisions on a crop that won't be harvested from over a year from now. And uh, to a certain extent, I feel like we're always chasing our tail because you know things are happening so fast that all of a sudden we're a year year or two behind and it's hard to catch up.
0: Right. What What uh, talk a little bit about some of the leasing programs that you guys um, see that work pretty well. What Give 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 us a couple examples of of uh, strategy that that seems to work pretty well for you guys. Well, it's no secret
1: in the industry the the lease type that dominates is just a typical fixed cash rent. Um, we do still work a little bit with some crop share arrangements. That's been more of a tool for a retiring farmer. To kind of manage the income, ta- the tax burdens from retiring over a period of years through a crop share lease. Sure. But I would say the the majority, I'd say 90% of our leases are actually a flexible cash rent lease, which we are really, uh, we believe are a, just a huge tool right now that's being underutilized from producers out there. But it's a, we kind of call it the modern day alternative. It's kind of wrapping a crop share and a fixed cash rent lease all into one. And, uh, we've seen the next generation that's, you know, inheriting land actually really like it. If, you know, if we sit down and have a conversation about them and talk about how they work, they, they really like them. Um, they're not as reliant on the fixed income piece as maybe their parents were. And, uh, but if it's something that's viewed more favorable from the tenant because instead of, you know, expecting to get X that's being paid down, the road which may not be even a factual number because it's influenced by coffee shop rumors or whatever it may be instead Mm -hmm. we actually sit down and look at the numbers and what is a base level that makes sense at at the bare minimum could that be a break-even number for the producer but there's flexibility now that they can share the profits if it's a profitable year with a landowner.
0: well and that and that's Awesome when you can get some of the landowners that uh, actually take that data and that information that's that's proven on on that particular piece of land and can kind of understand uh, the operator and uh, work together with them. That's that's pretty powerful. Um, you did mention the the cash rent, you know, and and that's kind of what we see too. Is is that's probably as, as a percentage is by far the largest percentages of the rents that we see with our client base. Um how do you how do you help them uh with relations between the landowner and the farmer negotiate that? Do you see more single one-year leases or do you see more three-year or what do you what do you see there?
1: Yeah, mostly the year-to-year leases, but to help with that conversation quite frankly, I think What you guys are doing, helping producers understand the numbers and the cost of production. I think that's where we're also trying to be the third party to make sure everybody at the table recognizes what those costs are. Because, I mean, we are now at commodity price levels that we haven't seen since, I believe, since back in 2009 and 2010. But the production costs, as you know, is totally different. The, the land cost machinery all of those have increased dramatically over the last 10 11 years but our commodity prices now uh, are much different and uh, a lot of landowners quite frankly don't understand that and once we take them through an exercise and show them what a break-even might be um, in a lot of cases um, they're like shocked and it's like the, the wow moment we had no idea we just and we checked on uh, the internet and university sources, or you know whatever you might find. Uh, sometimes they just don't know any better, and they they hear something being paid, and they just think that's the fact. That's what yeah. the, the rent should be.
0: Well, and, and to your point, we've we've ran into the same thing with a few few clients too. When the landowner actually gets an opportunity to see that the margin, how tight it is. And then a lot of times I think there's a misperception and and we're running into that right now where, you know, between COVID payments, CFAP payments, government payments and crop insurance, uh, I think sometimes there's the perception from the landowner side of things that, well, gee, they're they're getting all that money um, when in fact, yeah, they're getting that money, but it's it's basically keeping them whole. It's not additional profit. (laughs) And so, you know, I think that, that transparency is very important um, for them to understand that, you know, that's that's just basically keeping them whole. It's not additional income. It's not added profitability. And uh, when the market prices are where they're at now, it's it's very easy to, to increase either a cash rent or even a flex lease, but it's a lot more difficult to go the other way. Uh, you know, and so consequently what we've seen And I'll have to speak to this, but, you know, we've seen uh, farmers even say, well, you know, I've got this one farm where the rent's too high. I'm going to farm it one more year at that level, and then I'm going to try to explain to them what I need to do. And we're on about year four of them trying to explain to the landowner why the rent is too high on a given parcel of land. Um, They're just very minimal, if any, any margin there. And... um, uh, I have a partner that always said, you know, we don't need to do more just to do more. We definitely don't need the practice. And um, <laughs> so.
1: yeah, we're 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 definitely seeing. Uh, I think to a certain extent, we've been trying to kick the can down the road for better times and not and delay that conversation on the rent with with certain landlords. Um, But based on the calls that we're getting here over the last 30 days, I think a lot of people, or even their uh, financial team, the lenders are. There's a lot more conversations are going to be had, and that's where I think this flex lease concept is a tool. Quite frankly, you know, it's one thing to go sit down with Mr. and Mrs. Landlord and ask for a $50 per acre reduction in rent, but it's a different concept. Hey, would you consider a $50 $50 reduction, but here's a structure that we can still pay you if we have a profitable year. Um, otherwise, again, we're playing, always playing this game that we're a year behind. If, mm-hmm. if we don't, if we don't have a, a good year this year, the rent isn't impacted till next year. If we have a really profitable year next year, the landlord wants more rent, but the, the year following that, uh, that year, there's no guarantee that it'll be a good year. So it's always this, uh, chasing the tail so just trying to set up a structure that's more flexible and it, you know we've seen once people get a year under their belt they actually they they love it
0: well they can they can see the, the transparency of what's really going on on the farm too and and again that information a lot of times isn't known until you get well into the year it's kind of like for example 2019 I would imagine on your flex leases you know with CFAP payment and a few other things and maybe not all of the grain being marketed yet for the quote-unquote the 2019 as an example sometimes that flex lease isn't complete then probably until you get well into the next growing season is that right
1: yeah that'd be you know kind of a podcast in itself just you know one of the other reasons I think people shy away from those is there's just so many different ways to set them up right um, but you know, we've found once you set up, set it up, it really changes the conversation. Now, less about what the rent should be year to year, but more about the other things that are important for landowners. You know, if that's the fertility or stewardship of the of the land, whatever it may be. Um, now we can focus on those areas that we think longer term are more important anyway.
0: Right. Right. So, what are you seeing for for on the cash side of rents? I know there's people that are going to be thinking this while they're listening to us talk. Well, what are rents doing? You know, what are you seeing? Are they, are they flat? Are they going up? Are they going down? What what are they doing from what you've seen?
1: Yeah, the challenge is is um, you know historically land rents tend to follow land values, and as you know, we the farmland market we just haven't seen a big adjustment adjustment in values with the uh the farm economy over the last four or five years we we see more and more non farming groups interested in buying land investors institutional funds that are impacting and- stabilizing the the farmland market which is in and hence you know stabilize the cash rental values as well mm-hmm. and uh so yeah i think uh you know, still seeing it being stable, but like I said earlier, I think we're seeing definitely an increase, um, from producers, uh, reaching out and saying, Hey, I think we're ready to have a difficult conversation. Uh, could we, you have any ideas to help us? Or, uh, you know, sometimes it's awkward as the tenant to have that conversation with a landlord and, but having a third party out there that, Hey, they're doing something a little different. Would you take the time to sit down and learn and there might be benefits for for all of us in this and so uh, so there's definitely a lot more conversations chris whether those yield adjustments and rent downward that's yet to be seen but i think there's a lot the mindset is there more so than we've seen the last couple years
0: yeah i think there's more motivation from the from the producer side to have those conversations at least from what we're seeing with our client base more than ever just because of where commodity prices are currently not to mention where they've been in the past but especially this year it's just really really tight and things things are um are increasing the motivation for producers to have that conversation so with that said um is there any any questions i haven't asked you and then i'd like you to go ahead i know you guys are going to be having a webinar um coming up and i want to have you um Kind of tell people how they can get a hold of you or how they could watch that webinar if anybody's interested and in, and in kind of seeing what you guys are up to and what you're talking about there
1: yeah we often get asked from different groups to come in and speak on farm transition whether that's estate planning farm transition whether that's in your family or you know again we're doing more planning with families outside the family with non-related successors and then uh, the land rents is another one that we get asked to to speak on with with covid um that's changed our approach on that we prefer getting in front of people face to face but we're going to try uh, more of a i guess through the zoom platform um different segments on estate planning farm transition we're having our one on land rents next monday august 3rd and that'll be you know 45 to 50 minutes with some questions and some uh, real valuable information. So yeah, if anybody's uh still interested, I th- I still think we have some room um if if folks want to sign up for those.
0: Where do they go to sign up for that? Just the NextGen AG advocates website.
1: Yeah, we have a flyer with additional details right on our homepage. Our website is nextgenag.us. And there'll be information on there to either call in or email their information that we can uh get a link out to them ahead of time
0: awesome well that sounds good that's one of the one of the questions we get a lot from our clients and and i think you know the whole goal is for all of us that work with producers help producers is that that we kind of work together to uh have kind of the same mission is is just to make sure that we're out here and and doing what we can for the for the farm community um being a producer myself, uh, we will take all the help we can get <laughs> to try to figure out how to how to be profitable in the, some of these trying times with COVID and some of these other things going on in the economic environment. But uh Mike, Next Gen Ag uh Advocates, we really appreciate your time today and uh thanks for the conversation.
1: Likewise. Thank you very much. Appreciate the
0: opportunity. You bet. And thanks everybody uh for listening. If you've got questions on this want to get a hold of us we can get get you uh connected with these guys and uh tie in on some ideas for some land rental agreements that that might work well for your operation so again thanks everybody for joining us on this episode of the ag view pitch catch you next time